0: Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese Man podcast. And I am here with my amiga, Monica Avila. Hola, Monica. How are you today?
1: Hola, good. I am enjoying this rain we have
0: in Fresno. <laughs> I know, you know what? I woke up and I was like, is it raining here? And then I look outside and here it's raining down here in San Diego as well. Did you happen to see that video? Where was it? I forget what city it was, like the way, because they they had been Huntington. saying like this. Yeah, was, yeah they were saying yeah. how the surf was going to be really big and it was going to be like swimmers don't go swimming and all that. And then, I don't know, is it just like, is it from the storm or some people were like, is it a mini tsunami? So I wonder, because oh, you know. that, that one, like, like, obviously it breached the wall and it yeah. went pretty far. Yeah.
1: So in my head, I kind of like jump into like these, these crazy people, why are they right there, right next to the surf? And like, they're like booking for it. Right. As soon as it hits the wall and like goes over. And I'm just like, come on guys. Like we knew like this was a possibility. I also like laughed to myself too, because I'm like, when I, before I had kids, there was a time when I lived in San Francisco and we had a tsunami warning because we had a huge storm over there what do I do? I go straight to the ocean, do the same thing. (laughs) So fearless before my kids and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this. This is so cool. And then now on the other hand of me, like being a mom and being a little bit more grounded, it's like, I go back to like thinking of my grandma, like, hi, look at these people getting in the way they're supposed to be at home and like not worrying about the weather. And they're right there in the forefront and it's their own faults and all this other stuff. So it's You have to have that. So me and my friend
0: went to the other day, we just went to the bay and just had a little bit of wine and watched the sunset. Me and one of my girlfriends and I was saying how I love the ocean. Like my first tattoo is about the ocean, right? I am that person who I need to. I love to be in, on, or near the water. I just love it, but also you have to have a respect for the ocean mm-hmm. because as much as I love the ocean, it's like when it gets dark, it's so creepy. Because during the day and when you have sun, like that sun reflects off the water and it looks like it's glistening and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it gets dark, you don't know what's under there. So you have to have a good, healthy respect for the ocean. I've not done that, but also I grew up in San Diego and we've not ever had a, like the way that we kind of are carved out as far as our shoreline, at least in like downtown is Mm -hmm. we're not. Off, like, there's another piece of land which is Coronado Island that separates San Diego proper, like downtown, from the actual ocean because it cuts it and then we have the bay. Yeah. So it's a little bit different for us, but it's just you still, you know, there's still a lot of other San Diego County beaches that are right on the shoreline that right there. So, well, I'm excited because we've been, girl, we have been trying to do this forever. I know.
1: Like a year, I feel like it's been, it's
0: been a while. Yeah. I know. And then, you know, both of us have had things going on. Look, I'm not a mom, but I am a Thea. And my mom used to actually own a daycare. So I have definitely changed my fair share of diapers. (laughs) I have changed a lot of blowouts, clothes, like all of those things. Yeah. And I love that you're creating something for maternity wear because you saw a gap. But before we get yeah. into let me read your bio and then before we get into the cheese man we can get into the why. Okay. So Monica grew up in the Fresno area in a little small farm town. Her neighbors were cows, horses, grapes and her grandmother. <laughs> She had no idea that working with clothes was even a job until a high school teacher mentioned that she should pursue looking into fashion schools. Prior to that conversation with her teacher, Monica always thought that creating clothes was something that you did in your spare time and as a hobby. Monica ended up going to college in San Francisco where she received her Bachelor's of Fine Arts with a focus on fashion design. In 2011, Monica moved to Los Angeles to continue working in corporate fashion. In 2014, she gave birth to her first daughter, and that's when Luna and Leche Maternity was born. So, like I said, you're in the car. So I yeah. know you're not in the, <laughs> so I know you're not drinking.
1: Yeah. I'm in my driveway because it's a weekend, right? And it's raining. So the kids can't go outside or anything. So I was like, I need to find a quiet place that's in the car. So here I am. True mom fashion, right here. See,
0: there you go. You know what? I love when things like that happen, because to me, I'm like, it's real life because I feel like so many times in podcasting, people want it to be perfect and people want it to be. And I always love leaving that stuff in. Like I've had guests where their kids have come in and I I like to leave it in because I'm like, that's real life. Like, yeah, that's what happens. Nothing is ever perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. it might be perfect for us at that moment, but that doesn't mean it's perfect for everybody, right? So I love keeping these types of things in. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I am actually drinking Solorio family wines, Chardonnay. I just gave myself a very small pour because it is still Saturday morning. We're recording this at 10 o'clock <laughs> <laughs> and I had a coffee. So I had to just swish with some water and I didn't want to drink too much yet, especially because I went wine tasting yesterday in Valle, which I can't wait to share with everybody. But Salud, Monica. Salud.
1: With your water or your coffee? With marijuana. It's, I had my coffee already. This is the, mm-hmm. some water. Ugh. But like I was telling you, when I was just thinking right now, it's like you need to school me on some Latina companies or Latino companies that do champagne or something. Oh, girl, um, I got you. Sparkling wine, yeah.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple. First, we have Las Amigas. So, the husband and wife team own Ondrama Cellars. A husband and wife team own Yamas Family Wine. Well, the wives mm-hmm. got together to create their own sparkling wine brand called Las Amigas. How cute. How perfect yeah. because we met through, we all grew up amigas, right? How yeah, yeah. So, they actually have like a, a couve, which, and then they have a rose, a sparkling rose as well. There's one, and then I believe Herencia del Valle, I believe they actually now have a sparkling wine as well. I know that there's a couple others that have just recently come out, but those are the ones like off the top of my head, for sure, I know that they have something. And Las Amigas, I love that. That is one of my favorite sparkling wines ever.
1: Okay, because that's my go-to right now. It's just like champagne, sparkling wines, I don't know, all of a sudden after I had my second baby, it's like, that's all I crave. Like for alcohol, like give me that all day and I'm good. But yeah. I'll have to, my birthday's coming up. So I'll have to stock up for my birthday. Yes, yes.
0: And make sure like, I'll send you the the links so you have them and then just make sure you let them know that you got referred by the Wine and Chisme. Um, yeah. They are, they're both Mexican-American vintners and they're both part of MAVA, which is the Mexican-American Vintners Association. And on drama sellers. Which is owned by Juan and Miriam, and then Llamas by Oscar and Lola. They're such amazing people. And then Rente del Valle, which is Guillermo and Helica, They're the owners of that. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. all, in fact, they were the first three wineries when I reached out because Guillermo is the president of Mava. In 2020, I met them for the first time and I was driving up the coast, driving from San Diego to Portland. I let them know. And then I met them. I spent a couple of days in Napa. They were so welcoming. Here I am like saying, I want to do something to help you. Guys. And then they're freaking taking me out, like wining and dining me. I got to know them. They were the first three wineries that really were supporting the Wine and cheese Chisme. Them and Seisoles, which is by um, Chris Rivera. They mm. were like the first wineries to really support what we were doing here at the Wine and Chisme podcast. And it's so Mm -hmm. exciting to see like so many more, right? And getting to know so many more of the owners of these wineries, because oftentimes these wineries, and we were talking about this yesterday when I was in Valle, but a lot of these wineries, they do it because they grew up in the area. They grew Mm -hmm. up, their parents were farm workers, which I'm sure you can relate to at some point being in a farming community, and mm-hmm. which I can really, my grandpa used to do the citrus and avocados and stuff like okay. that. Yeah, here. And they just fell in love with it. But then they elevate it because they're just like, I'm not, we're not satisfied with just working the farms. And they've saved and they've grinded and now uh-huh. they have their own wineries, which is, it's I love so... That. Sorry. Oh. It is. It's so awesome because I think so often we forget the stories behind wineries and why people are doing what they're doing and how they got to where they're at. So including not just these wineries, but obviously small business owners like yourself in regards Mm -hmm. to that. So let's jump in it, girl. I am so excited because like I said, we've been trying to do this for a year. So now we're here. We're finally doing it. (laughs) Like we were saying earlier you grew up in a small farm town in the Fresno area. I'm really interested to hear because I love how you laid out in your bio that was fashion something that you were always interested in because obviously your teacher saw something that they eventually suggested that you go into it. So what was like growing up in this small community and your connection to fashion?
1: Yeah. So my mom's mom, my grandma Dolores, she always had um, costumes and stuff for me and my cousin Nicole to play with. We were about the same age. I think she was a year older than me. Not that I think she is a year older than me. She would take care of me during the summers because she was like half a mile away from my mom's work. So we would go and we would play dress up and we when we go to the stores, we'd be like, "Okay, bye, Grandma. Do grocery shopping. We're gonna stay here in the magazine section, right?" And then we'd go home and try to like recreate like that fun stuff. And she would always go to the thrift shop and like thrift like people's old dance costumes, and then we would play with those. So that's kind of where it started, like just playful. As I got older. I don't know. That's how I expressed myself. I didn't really have a set style. At least I don't think I did. I kind of like to pull from a bunch of different styles because I was like, oh, I like this aspect of this, this aspect of that. And that kind of started around high school. And then that's when the teacher had brought it up like, hey, there's you could do a career in fashion just how you like mix your stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, fashion, like, have you ever heard of fashion? I'm just like, yeah, like the fashion magazines. And he's like, no, like there's more to it than just that. And so then I started researching and being like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like I have to make a portfolio, which means I have to, you know, do all my sketches that I had already had, luckily, like I would go to friend's quinceaneras and I would sketch out the dresses and then my mom and I would make them together. So I would, you know, have my own quinceanera addresses to, for their parties. And so I was like, oh, this is cool. I have a portfolio. Like mine wasn't nearly as nice as the ones that I searched on their website. Like those were like super high end. But I was like, I think I could do this. And so when it came time to submit applications for college, I kind of already had a little bit of a, a base of where to start. And then I think, honestly, I was so excited. I just accepted the first one that came to me that said, Monica, you're in. So I was like, okay I'm going to school. And so that's how it started. And then when I was in college, I played around with ready to wear and as well costume. I had a career in both of them. It's all fun to me. It's all playful. It's all a world of make believe that I get to make tangible things out of, which is exciting.
0: What I was thinking when you were saying that is. Sometimes, especially being, you know, Mexican-American, sometimes our parents are very like, okay, you keep that at home. Yeah, yeah, you can play, you can play. But now once you're walking out the door, this is how you need to look. Is that something you ever got from your family or did they kind of encourage that creativity?
1: I like to say I get my fashion sense from my dad. He's very well put together. He owns his own gardening company. So at work, when he's at work, it's just clothes that he knows is going to get dirty. But when it's time to dress up, He makes sure he like presses his pants. He gets his button up, his jewelry, everything, his cologne sometimes and his watches. And so, so I always saw that my mom, she's more just like, okay, like I'm going to dress nice, but not nearly like to my dad's level. So I always get it from him. And so whenever I was expressing myself through my fashion, he was like, okay, yeah. Okay. So he was very encouraging in that aspect. Whereas my mom, she would just be like, pull it down here, cover up here, do this. And it's not like I was like super exposed or anything, but I wasn't as conservative as she would have liked me to be. Um, just cause I was, you know, trying out my fashion, trying out edgy stuff, trying out any type of fashion I can. And so she was the one trying to narrow me in and being like, oh, okay, do this and this is, wear florals. And I hated florals. And so it's like, I don't want to see a mom. And she's like, come on, just real quick. And it was always an argument when we would go clothes shopping. And so I think it was the time at junior, when I was in junior high, she was like, I can't do it anymore, Domingo, which my dad, she's like, you have to take her shopping now. Because that it, her and I, when we go, it's just an argument the whole time. So <laughs> then he just sat back and just let me, you know, do my thing and go through all the racks and take my time. And then he's like, okay, are you ready? And I was like, yeah. And so he'd look at them, making sure they were appropriate, appropriately priced and everything. And then we'd go off and that was it. It was easy. <laughs> Whereas my mom, it was a lot more challenging. I mean, at least you had one parent who was open to
0: that creativity and everything. Because I think when you have two parents who aren't, or you just have one parent who just fully defers to the other, it it can be very, very hard. So that's really nice. Nice. And it's nice that your mom at least recognized that at some point, like, look, I can't take her. This is not going to (laughs) end. Yeah.
1: It wasn't healthy for either one of us.
0: (laughs) What did they think when you decided that you wanted to go? to college for fashion design
1: i don't recall my dad's reaction because i feel Um, like that's
0: one of the things where your parents would be like what are you going to do with that what do you mean fashion design well you know what i mean a lot of parents would be kind of like like,
1: yeah any type of art right i don't recall my dad's reaction my mom i just remember up until like the day they were about to drop me off she's like monica are you sure? Because once, you know, you get to this, like, that's it. Are you sure, Monica? Are you sure? And I'm like, mom, like, I got this. This is going to be like my career. This is going to be my life. I got this. And she's like, okay, are you sure? Because once, you you know, you go, there's no turning back. I'm like, I got this. I got this. And she's like, okay. And then once I received my bachelor's and I had, you know, we had a party here at the ranch and everything. And even my friends in college are like, so you just got a certificate, right? And I was like, "What do you mean?" And then I'm like, "No, I got I have a bachelor's degree now." And they're like, "I didn't know you could get a bachelor's degree in fashion." And I was like, "Yeah, I I just got it. <laughs> I have the paper." And they're like, "Oh, that's so cool." So yeah, even a lot of people didn't realize, like, "Hey, this isn't a trait. This is an actual like, you get a degree. You can even get your master's in costume and in different stuff." So the world had, I think, opened up at the perfect time for me to like venture into this and kind of explore more of my education.
0: And you went for factual fashion design because I know that there's Mm -hmm. other aspects like marketing and merchandising and all there. I know that there are different things. So you knew you wanted to just, girl, like, let me tell you, anytime I see like television or movies or, or I've met anybody who has done that stuff, I am so impressed because I could barely draw a stick figure, let alone envision what could be in regards to fashion? Like, it's so inspiring to meet people who can do that because w- so many of us, right? General public, we get our inspiration from what we see and maybe not exactly on the runway or maybe not exactly in a magazine or exactly what we see, but we make it to us, right? We yeah, take inspiration yeah. and everything. So first of all, like kudos to you for having that type of creativity or anybody else who does, because. Like I said, I do not have that. My creativity is in other things, not that. So what was the first steps in regards to, because I can imagine that is a very challenging career. And I would imagine, and please correct me if I'm wrong as well. I would also imagine it's kind of hard to get your foot in the door. Not only hard to get in your foot, but as a Latina who is not Mm -hmm. white presenting, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it becomes even more challenging because I would imagine there's a lot of nepotism in that world. So like, how did you kind of start getting your foot in that door after college, or even whether it was during college or after college?
1: Yeah. So I had some really great professors. I had one, her name was Abra Berman and she was like the, um, my fairy godmother. (laughs) She was a lot of people's fairy godmother. She was so good. So we were going for fashion But her focus outside of being a teacher was costume design. And she got me super into costume design. I worked with her on a few of her productions as her assistant. One of them, and it bothers me that I don't remember this and I don't have documentation of this, but I believe one of our productions won an award in San Francisco. I can't remember which one because I worked on them with a few. I worked a few different productions with her. I want to say it was Antony and Cleopatra. So I thought I was going to be a costume designer just because I fell in love with it so much. And I was trying really hard to do costume design. And I did a few things here and there, a few productions on my own. And those were fun, but it was really hard to get my foot in the door. And this is when I lived in San Francisco at the time. So there were only a handful of jobs after graduation. Wasn't So it was in 2011. And everybody in my class and in other fashion schools in San Francisco had just graduated. So you have all these people trying to go for like the three jobs in the area. And it was really, really hard. And the only people who really got the jobs were the ones who did internships during college. And I wasn't able to do that. I was doing small little jobs during like the end of my college to pay for a few things. But it was all freelance work. So I didn't have the internship experience, therefore I didn't get the job. So then after I realized- I a while that. that, that. Was, yeah. <laughs> so after I was working like four jobs at one point and they were all like little jobs. So I'm like, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? Living in a tiny apartment in San Francisco. Like I'm going to take my shot and move to LA. So I decided to move to Los Angeles right after, about a year or so after I graduated college. So it was around 2011, 2012-ish. And I was trying really hard to be a costume designer over there. I had three months' money worth of money saved, so I could do that. And that three months came up, and I went to a lot of interviews, didn't get any jobs in costumes, at least in the job that I was applying for. They were a lot of older white women. So the fact that I was coming in young and they didn't think that I had all the experience that was on my resume, and they were like, How could you do this and this and this? And I was like, Well, because I had a great, mentor to guide me and to like do all this and so they even asked me like how old are you and there was a man in the interview too and he's like you're not obligated to say that and I was young at the time I was 20 22 23 something like that I didn't know that they can't ask me that and so I was just like kind of shocked like in a room of a bunch of older people looking at me he's like you don't have to answer that and he goes you can't ask, ask her that you know it was kind of like standing up for me So I was thankful for him for that, but I still answered it because I was scared. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to do, what's going on. So I just, I was like, oh, I'm 20 in my early 20s. So yeah, so three months went by, I didn't have a job. So I was like, okay, I need to find a fashion job then. Because I know there's a lot of those over here. And I found one for a lingerie company, worked for them for four years, left, and then worked for a active wear line and ready to wear. So an active ready to wear company. And then was there until I had my youngest baby and then didn't tell them I had left LA until my maternity leave was up and then I was like oh hey by the way I'm not coming back (laughs) and I was was I'm sure they were like wait what (laughs) yeah well they, they started they grew very fast and I don't think management was ready for that maybe I don't know just the whole dynamic of it had changed wine break
0: Time to refill that glass and come back for more
1: Wine and Cheese Minute.
0: You found like in something like that, or maybe just as a consumer even, and when you know a smaller brand has been, I feel like this happens a lot with not just clothing, but with a lot of different industries that there's this really cool brand. It's really hitting the spot of what you've looked for and what you were seeking and then it's bought out by a bigger brand, and then the quality goes down. The like, have you is that something that you found? Especially obviously, like I said, I found it in other things, but I would imagine that kind of goes through within the fashion industry as well.
1: Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. Because there's so many eyes looking at this one piece now, and there's so many people with all their inputs going into this one piece and production and they're in it for the profit because that's how you build a company right so even though they're trying to keep and maintain the whole aspect of it it completely changes 100 yeah. percent.
0: does that mean like the even the quality of the fabrics that they choose yeah that mm-hmm. also goes down right because they're putting out now to profit
1: yeah so there's a company that i worked for and they bought a smaller company and before it was bought it was American made. L.A. based. Everything was sourced, downtown L.A., all the fabrics, really rich, good quality pieces. And they're very basic. There's nothing like extravagant. But they took pride on how well their stuff fit, the fabrics, the construction. One of the companies that we were, I was working for, when it came over to us, we were trying to keep that, their mission, how it started off, but then the numbers weren't there. So then it's like, okay, we have to outsource the fabric now. And it wasn't as luxurious as when it was domestic LA based. And then it's like, okay, now we're seeing a profit. Okay. Well, what if we do production overseas now? And so everything just moved to overseas and the quality was just, even our the customers knew too. They're like, Oh, it's not the same as what it used to be. The quality is not as great. And it's just, it's hard when, you have stuff going back and forth, trying to maintain quality. And then they don't understand like what we're trying to go for in the luxury, like hand feel and everything. And they're just like, oh, this is the same content. Like, let's just give them this. It's like, no, it's not just about the content. It's about like how it's spun And yeah.
0: How did that feel? Because I would imagine you understand, like you said, the numbers weren't there, but you also understand the quality was going down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that kind of, it plays with your head because you're like on a business side, you understand the numbers, but from a creative side, you're like, damn, this freaking
1: sucks. What did you go
0: through with
1: that? Yeah. So there was a, a few companies that we had to do that with that we bought and I saw the production quality go down. It's like, man... We're missing the mark and we're missing so much opportunity if we kept it as is. Like, sure, the margins aren't going to be as great as if they're overseas and all this other stuff. But I was able to work with some really, really cool companies in L.A. when we first started and tried to keep like everything in L.A. You get to know these people because you're talking to them every single day. And I actually am able to go to their factories and like cross-check everything if something if that, if something's wrong. Like I get to go in person and have like a conversation one-on-one with them. And then you could create a connection, right? And you're like, oh, so how so-and-so and so-and-so. So you get to know these people, which is what I loved about it. And then when it's like, they tell us like, oh, we're not working with that factory anymore. And it's just like that friendship just stops. And you, it's weird to like send out an email like, Hey, I'm sorry. We are going with a different company. Like, luckily, I didn't ever have to do that. It was all management. But it's like, man, like, do I just secretly write down their email address, try to connect with them? And I don't know. It gets a little sad. It's like, man, like, we're supporting like LA, like, we're supporting California, we're supporting like all these small businesses right here. If we keep it some in California, but when you're moving it over, it's like, I don't know who this person is I'm emailing. I know them via email and that's it. Like, I don't know their personal connection.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you said when you had your first daughter, you realized that there was, and this is kind of where you decided you were going to do something for yourself. Obviously you moved from LA when you're on yeah. maternity leave, you have your first daughter and then you're like, wait a second, something's not right. Like, what was that moment when you were like, I have no clothes for me. I have no clothes that are functioning for me now that my daughter is born.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we were still living in LA. I just had my brand new baby. I was 26 years old, working for a big corporation in fashion. I knew what I needed. So I went into the store, this big department store, thinking, okay, this is exactly what I need in my head. I know it could be made. So it has to be here because this is where like everybody shops for their maternity clothes. And so I'm going, I'm looking through the aisles and I'm not seeing, I just needed cute clothes that I could breastfeed in because she was constantly just feeding and I'm going, I'm going. I'm like, all this maternity stuff is for when you're pregnant, nothing. And there's like three things that were available postpartum that I could breastfeed in. One was a tank top. But she was born in November, so that did nothing for me. <laughs> and then there was another one that's like paisley, blah. That was not my style at all. It was like my, my mom was trying to force down my throat when I was in Wait, why junior is it high. When like, it comes so to like, pregnant women,
0: why is it everything so floral and like paisley? It's not, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't I've know.
1: like our little house on the prairie. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. It's so, it's like, what is this? Like, this isn't like, I'm already having an identity crisis being like a mom of like a newborn and trying to figure out like, like my body's nothing like what it used to be. I don't feel like, like, you know, hormones are all over the place. And now you're trying to shove this stuff that is not me at all. Like, forcing me to wear that be only cause it's convenient. Like, come on no. So then I got frustrated and I like started bawling. I'm like, I don't know. Like my daughter was crying. Cause she was hungry. I was crying. Cause I'm like, I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. So I was like, screw it. So I packed her in the car. I was like, just sitting there frustrated. And I was like, I could do this. I could just make myself something real quick. Like I could do this. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it just for me. So I made myself a couple of pieces. And then I was like, you know what? If I'm having a hard time with it, I'm not the only one. There's tons of people probably having the same situation as I am. And I was like, I have a background. Like, I know how to make patterns. I know how to do X, Y, Z. Like, I know every aspect of the fashion industry. Like, why can't I do it? And so that was sitting in my head for so long. I was trying to get it off the ground and trying to juggle being a new mom, which is hard. (laughs) This is why it took me so long to launch Una Leche, because it took me a long time to figure out what I really wanted, how I wanted to present the company and how I was gonna find time for it. And I was finding time to be a mom, but not necessarily finding time to be a business owner. So finally I was like, you know what? I need to do this because I forget what year it was, but it was around this time. I wanna say like three years ago, I told myself, I think it was 2020, yeah, so three years ago. I told myself right around New Year's, I was like, okay, I've been saying I wanted to start this maternity company for a long time now. <clears throat> So starting the new year, I'm giving myself an ultimatum. I'm either not going to do it and never bring it up in my life ever again, or I'm going to do it. And so I sat with it for a long time and I'm like, if I just throw it out, there's so much potential that's just, it's going to kill me not to do anything with it. And it's, I know that there's a lot of growth. There's an, there's a market for it. People might not realize it, but there's a market for it. And so I was like, okay, I don't like the feeling of me just throwing it away. So I'm going to go for it. And since then, I've been pushing Luna and Mecha I just got trademarked uh, two months ago. Thank you. So now we're going for it. Yes.
0: No, that's awesome. I mean, like I said, it was really cool because obviously I met you through We All Grow Amigas during our office hours and everything. And then we finally got to meet in person at Latina Fest in, I think it was 2022.
1: Yeah, because I don't think they had mentioned to
0: anyone. Yeah, do I don't you? think yeah, I don't think so. Or I just didn't go. So we finally got to meet. I got to see some of your designs and all of the things. One of the things that you say when I ask people what their why is is you were saying that obviously the postpartum period, the postpartum close was obviously a driver because you went looking for something that you couldn't find. But also you wanted to make sure that everything was functional, but wasn't going to cost an arm and a leg, right? Yeah. I feel, girl, in a very, very different sense, I feel that for weddings, because as soon as you say a wedding, like mm-hmm. the cost jumps up three times. And I'm like, we're having a family get together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and knowing what you've known about the fashion industry and what you've seen how are you able to create these things that are fashionable, functional, and cost effective? Basically, how do you do that? Because I would imagine it becomes harder and harder, especially as raw materials become more expensive. Obviously, the time that you're taking to design these things and you're having um, samples made to make sure that they're what you want, being able to sustain and be able to work the work, your creative mind, but also keep your business to move forward.
1: Yeah. So there are a few companies out there that are similar to mine, but their price point is, I can't afford it. Like for one top, it's like $200 and I get where they're coming from. But on the other hand, it's like, I can't afford that. Especially if someone just had a new baby, I'm not spending $200 on myself at that point. Even if it's like very nice, very chic, i like, no. I need diapers. That's what I need to spend my money on. Diapers. <laughs> so how I do it is I I do a lot of sourcing, a lot of and sourcing is you do a lot of research basically on what is what you could afford. So I do my artwork. I do it all myself. I don't outsource that at all. So I do my own artwork. So that's an expense that I'm able to keep low because it's me. I do a lot of the man work. So like all of our heat press stuff like this, instead of outsourcing that, I do it myself. And that keeps, you know, costs down. A lot of the work, like the back of the shirt that I'm wearing right now, actually has fringe, hand-sewn fringe. Like I did that all myself. So when I do it myself, it's easier to keep the cost down rather than outsourcing it, which I love anyways, because it's like, it's, it's exciting seeing the garment come to life and creating it. A few of our pieces too, I've made the pattern for it. I've graded the pattern. I completely sewed it completely up. So it started from an idea to a sketch to a pattern to a garment and then I sell that and the fabric like then when I'm able to do that, I could spend a little bit more on like nice, like super soft, luxurious fabrics because I'm doing everything in-house rather than outsourcing. When you start outsourcing, that's when things get more expensive those companies that are charging $200 per piece is because, and I'm not, this is my assumption that they don't know how to do a pattern or they don't know how to create a pattern. They don't know how to sew it up. So they had to pay someone to make the pattern. They had to pay someone to do the first sample. They had to pay somebody to source all this stuff that costs money. You know, you have to pay for people's time. So luckily I'm able to do all that myself, which keeps the cost low. But
0: you're only able to do that for so long. What you know? Yeah. What happens when you blow up, right? Because yeah, you know, I know that. And that's a, thats me. a question. I feel like people will be like, "Well, what happens? She's gonna blow up, and you can't do all of the pieces yourself. What no, happens at I that?" I definitely
1: But at that point, I have worked in the industry for so long, and I have fallen in love with some of my coworkers, and they've already told me, like, Monica, as soon as you're able to pay me. I'm all yours. And I was like, okay. And they're like, I will work for you. And so there's some coworkers that they just have such great drive and they love what they do. And so I was like, as soon as I'm able to, like, you're my employee, I'm going to hire you. You're going to be part of the team. And they're like, okay, just tell me when. And so they're in like my back pocket whenever I need them. So then they could help me with that. And so, yeah, I know in the back of my head at some point that's going to happen, but for right now, I'm just trying to keep it really close until it comes to that point where I need to start getting help, then they're right there.
0: Is that something that you, not that you have to explain anything, but like, say you have people who have purchased your clothing. This is just a question that just popped in, you know, obviously in my head, just, I'm very curious of how you do that because I know nothing about the fashion industry. I'm not like, girl, I am just like asking the questions, right? That pop (laughs) in my head. Yeah you're able to keep your cost down because you do a lot of stuff. So it comes to the point where you're going to have to hire people. And obviously that means that there's going to be things that have to be built into the cost of your of your items to be able mm-hmm. to pay for that. Is that something that you feel should be shared for these smaller companies? Or do you think, like just because like, we were talking earlier, when these smaller companies are absorbed by bigger companies, you don't know. Right, like people don't know that they—they just know there's a difference in texture. There's a difference in the luxury. There's like they just notice a difference in the clothing, but they don't unless they decide to do some digging. They don't notice that it's actually no longer the same company. It's no longer the same people running it. Is that something that you think needs should be more transparent, or do you like know when that comes? It's just the costs just have to go up.
1: So what I've thought about it, and like my dad has asked me the same, a similar question. He's like, well, what happens when this, you know, cause he's a business person himself. So I always tell him in my vision, I see multiple lines within my company. And there's one line that's going to be what we're doing now. And it's going to stay like that because I created it a budget friendly line for a reason, cause I was in need of it. So it's like, who am I? Like I feel obligated to keep that as is. Then there's gonna be another section where we're gonna have higher end goods that's gonna accommodate selling to at a higher price point, maybe to hopefully big box companies, You know, we'll sell the line to them and it'll have a higher price point. But for sure, I at least wanna keep like a mini collection that's gonna stay true to my initial mission, creating budget-friendly maternity clothing.
0: No, that's awesome. I love that because I like that you're keeping your your vision, right? That you want to keep yeah. that intact of why you initially started because it is so true. Like so many people just, we. I'm saying we, I'm part of the collective we, but I'm not <laughs> part of the maternity we. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many people that just don't have a lot of expendable income because obviously everything is going up right now, right? The cost mm-hmm. of living is going up. Mm-hmm. Inflation is going up groceries are going up like and then you have to worry about what you can fit into after you have a baby that's not gonna like like you said you needed to buy formula you need to buy diapers that's not going to take away from your your child's well-being right
1: yeah and that's another reason too why i am trying to create collections that i say you could wear during pregnancy postpartum and then even when you're not expecting at all because why are you going to spend let's say $45 on a sweater just to wear it for nine months and then maybe a little bit afterwards, however long you decide to breastfeed. And it's like when I buy clothing, I make it last, like my clothing lasts for a while. So it's like, well, I want it to be able to be worn at all stages. You don't even have to be pregnant to wear any of this stuff, but I just want longevity because I want your money to go far. Like I don't want it just to be, oh, fast fashion, where you wear it for a little bit until it, is out of style or rips up and then you're done or like you don't need it anymore it's like no I want want longevity I want you to enjoy it
0: no that's awesome because honestly even me I've been trying to be more selective of how I buy my clothes because so much ends up in the landfill right so much ends up not recycled even when you take it to places like Plato's Closet or goodwill or anything, they still sort through those and throw a ton of stuff away. It's not all that stuff goes back on shelves. No, they, so when you, even when you think you're doing something good, right. And you are right. Nobody's saying you, but wherever you're donating to, if they're not doing something to recycle the clothes, send it back. Like, I don't understand like why there isn't, I've seen a, a company where they'll send you something and they'll go through it. Like they will actually recycle, but I just don't understand why that's not bigger within the fashion industry where we have something where we can do that. And these clothes are being recycled into different, whether it's different materials, whether it's, you know, whatever, instead of being in a landfill, like that just blows my mind that that has not
1: been done on a large scale. I know. I know. And it kills me when like, uh, when I see people just doing this fast fashion stuff, and it's just like, oh, uh, I don't know, it just hurts my heart. I'm just like, yeah, man, like this I is don't buy like,
0: anything from Sheen or like any of yeah. those things. Sometimes we'll buy something from Target, but it's when it's like JZD, Latina owned oh, yeah, yeah, company. Yeah. Like I've gotten their stuff there, yeah. uh, and I have noticed that their stuff actually has lasted other things that I've gotten there. So their uh, material too is really nice. Yeah. So like it, I'm very, I'm still trying to be like conscious of what I'm yeah. purchasing. Plus we don't have a lot of room here. So I, I'm like of the mindset, if I'm bringing something in, I have something has to go. And mm-hmm. I try at least a couple of times a year to like pack things up, donate them. Hopefully they all make it to somewhere yeah, the landfill. So now that you're at this point, do you think like, I'm just going to throw it out there. You're going to be this big, growing, thriving company in another larger apparel company is like. We want that. We want her stuff. Do you sell or do you keep your brand for you? Knowing what you know about the fashion industry, what do you do?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm not selling. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not selling. And, I, and my dad, he, he like I said, he asked me these things. He's a business person. So he's like, well, are you, is your plan on selling? And I think a family friend has asked me too, like, what's your end game? And I was like, well, right now, like, this is my company. I'm not letting go of this. Like this, I, I'm having too much fun with this. And I was like, when it comes time for me to, like, I don't ever see myself retiring ever because <laughs> I love it. I love what I do. And like my dad, he it has tr- been trying to retire for the past five years, but he loves it so much too. So it's, that's going to be me. I could already feel it. I told my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's now nine, her name's Mara. I told her, I was like, If at any point you feel like you want this company, I'll give it to you. Like if you feel you could do it, even you don't even have to design. If you feel like, hey, I could do this part of the company, like I'll train you. And then this company, I'll just hand it over to you. And you could, you know, run the company. You and your sister could run the company. And she's like, really? And she's like, well, it's kind of my company too, isn't it, mom? And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you wouldn't have the company unless it was for me. I was with you the whole time. And I was like, that's true. She was with me when I submitted my DBA, my you know everything. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, it's part of your company too. And she's like, okay. She's like, I want to go into fashion and I want to be a veterinarian and a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I was
0: like, like, do it all. Like every kid wants to be like, like, do
1: it all. The company will be here no matter what. And then if at one point they don't decide to buy it or not buy it, but take over and have it be a family thing, then. I don't know, maybe at that point I'll sell it, but I'm going to try to keep it in the family. That's the goal to keep it a family business. You realize, Monica, that you're not just
0: creating a business, you're creating like a family legacy. Yeah, that is so rad. Like you're not just creating this business, you're creating something for your girls and something and you're becoming an inspiration to them, a role model to them. That is. So rad. I, I applaud you so hard for that. What has been your biggest challenge going through all of this though? I'm sure like it's not always easy being a business owner and a mom and a designer, like, because you, you are wearing a lot of hats. Has there ever been a moment where you thought you were going to break?
1: I wouldn't say break. So, I mean, obviously every new business, the financial aspects always going to be there. So we're still in that section um, but I think the biggest mental challenge for me was us moving from LA to Fresno and I think about Long Beach is where we were I think about long Beach every single day I miss it every single day but I needed to move in order for my business to grow so there when we left Long Beach I was pregnant with my or I just had my second daughter and we needed to get a bigger size apartment because, it couldn't fit two dogs and four people in there. Like it was, it was good for three people and two dogs, but at another person, it was going to be too much. And so my partner and I, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to get a bigger place. So we were looking at the cost of that. And we're just like, okay, this is, this is a big jump from what we were paying. And then I was like, okay, well, then. I could find a different job that's going to pay me more. Like there were people already contacting me for a while, like saying like, hey, we would want you for this position. And so I was thinking, I was like, "But I really want this company. Like I really want it to thrive. And I was like, if I'm working a job to pay rent and to pay for my daughter's needs, is there going to be time for my company to thrive? And so I was like, it's challenging already because I was trying to do it back in Long Beach. And it was really, really hard. Like I would put my daughter to bed and then I'd stay up till one o'clock in the morning working on my business. And then I'd have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning to start the day over. Like it was really, really hard, but I was doing it. And then I was like, well, now we have another child. So it's going to be even more difficult. And then a few other factors too made us come to the decision. Like we need to move to Fresno. Like, I think this is the only way that it's going to really take off. Like my parents, if I need to go sell it, in LA or San Francisco, wherever it be. Like, I know they'll be there to help us with our kids and you could come with me so you could help me at the pop-up. And there's just this way we know that they're taking care of and they don't have to come to us to take care of them. So that I think was the biggest challenge was like, cause that was my dream always since I was a little girl living in a city. Right. And I experienced it. And then someone told me like, Hey, you're a mom now. Like, Not to say that you have to put your dreams aside, but you also have to think about their dreams and make room for their dreams along with your dreams. And is there, you know, they want to know their cousins and they don't in LA. They have like 50,000 cousins over here in Fresno. (laughs) So it's like, okay. So moving to Fresno, I think was the hardest mental struggle that I wasn't prepared for until we moved here. But I knew with like running a business, That was always going to be like that other type of struggle where it's like, okay, you got to grind, you got to work hard, you got to push yourself out, you got to have financial backing and all this other stuff. I always knew that was going to happen just because my family, we come from a line of entrepreneurs, but the mental part was probably the biggest struggle for me.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that. I want to ask you in regards to your partner, because obviously when you're starting your own business, having a partner that supports you, that allows you to live that dream even when things are not always copacetic, so to speak. I mean, I'm kind of going through that right now in regards to having my fiance who has been very, very supportive, but that's taking a toll, obviously on the finances and on yeah. everything because it's not like the podcast is making tons of money or anything like that. and it takes a toll on on what we can do and everything and you have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm how has your partner supported what you're doing in your dream and how vital has that been to your company and to you just being being able to be a mom
1: yeah it's challenging <laughs> super he gets a little frustrated sometimes cuz he's like we're trying to also balance me being part-time i'm a part-time substitute teacher so that's how i do my my half of the finances, you know? And so he's like, man, if you go full time though, like we could have the house so much faster. And it's like, but I didn't move to Fresno to be a substitute teacher part-time. And then when I put in that aspect and he's like, okay. And then he asked me like, well, when are you going to be able to like fully sustain yourself on your own company? You're like, I don't know. (laughs) If you know the answer, please tell me so I can mark um, my calendar. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Like I'm trying really hard, but I also need time to focus on it so I could grow it. It doesn't just, and then I tell him, I was like, when you see things that you want to buy, how do they market to you? And I was like, you normally see them on like Instagram or like ads, right? And he goes, well, yeah. And I was like, who do you think creates those? And then I was like, I don't have somebody that I pay for, for a reason to do those. like, I have to do them. So I have to spend time and do all this stuff so then I could get my sales higher. So then I could, you know, leave, Substitute teaching and do full-time this. And so then when I explain it like that, he gets it, but he still gets a little like, Monica, it's going on? And it's like, I know, I know I'm, I'm working. Just, just let me, let me do this. Here's your set of bills. Here's my set of bills. I always make my deadline. So I'm good. We're, we're it's going to happen just you know so now he's yeah. seeing it when we're house shopping he's like oh look this room could be your office and I'm like yes yes it is <laughs> like let's go he's like okay yeah so he's, he's getting him in that vision
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah. it's like, taken a yeah. while what's next like you're still going through this and everything what's what's kind of the next thing that you want to do for Luna and Lecce maternity
1: for 2024 and like the next couple years I just want to grow my audience grow my sales I could see myself like I want to do little like gatherings like mom gatherings if that makes sense just like have like a mom's day and just once we get our house if we have enough land like I want to throw like a little mom party and have like just everything centered around mom Mm -hmm. no kids just mom and then just have like gatherings like that of all of us just getting together if it's new moms. I want to have a doula come in and explain what she does. Cause there's not a lot of doulas and midwives out here in Fresno. And I had a doula with my last pregnancy and I loved her. It was so good. If you my, hear that
0: if you're, li- if you're in the Bay area, if you're in Fresno ish area, yeah. Like reach
1: out to Monica. To yes, doula. Definitely. definitely. Cause there's not too much. I think oh. Only- only and when I told people that I had a doula they're like what is that like all my family and I was like oh my gosh she was she was having sent during my labor and like all this other stuff so I want to do that I just want everybody my goal for those gatherings is to have the moms leave feeling confident about their pregnancy every question answered because so for instance when I had my girls I wasn't around any family It was just me trying to figure out motherhood by myself. And of course I could call friends and stuff, but it's a little bit different. Like when you're in person, you feel more relaxed when you're in person. So I want to create gatherings like that for moms in the area. So then they could answer everything. No, like a safe space, no judgment. If you want to talk about, I don't know, the odd things moms don't like to talk about, like discharge. or I was like, about to say, because like I see this all yeah. the
0: time. Like, why don't they tell you? Why don't other women tell you about this when it comes to pregnancy? Why don't they tell you this about? Yeah. Like, I actually see that quite often. I've heard that from my friends and I've seen that quite often on social media when my, yeah. you know, when my friends or other people I know, like become mom, or pregnant or become moms. So I totally, the, obviously those spaces are needed. Yeah. Um, I always like to give people like if there's something I didn't ask, can you believe it's already been an hour? Like, Oh my goodness, no. I know, it (laughs) flew by. If there's anything I didn't ask or anything you want to add, please share that.
1: I think you answered or asked a lot of great questions. Uh, The only thing is we are going to be doing a lot of pop-ups this year, which I'm super excited about. We're going to be at Latina Fest again, and I'm doing a lot more in the Central Valley. So if you're in the two areas, make sure that you guys are subscribed to our newsletter because that's how we tell you where we are. And then how can people Um, find you on social? Social
0: and website, whatever you have.
1: Lunaandleche.com is our website. And our socials on all platforms is Luna and Leche, one word, underscore maternity. And we're going to be having a really fun. So my birthday is January 6th and I'm having a really fun launch for this birthday. Like it's going to be bright, colorful, like nothing that you've ever seen a maternity wear. So I'm very, very excited for that one. Very excited. Ooh, your,
0: your birthday's two days before my mom's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Monica, thank you so much. I, like I said, it just flew, like totally flew by this last hour and I'm so glad after forever in five years, we finally got yeah. to do this. Yeah, we did it. Yay!
1: Before the end of 2003, we barely made it, but we did it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we barely made it. But you know what? We did it and it's good. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to see where Luna and Leche, you know, how it grows and, and how all of the different things that you do. I was looking at your your Instagram and everything. And I was like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. I'm like, man, that's not like, there's a lot of stuff that you're right. It doesn't have to just be worn. Just if you're on maternity, like there's a, there's things that you can just wear, right? But obviously you're very focused on, on a particular segment, which I think needs to be focused on. So I'm super happy for you. I can't wait to see how it grows. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Okay, until next time, Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at the Wine and Chisme podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.